0: The third component is service. You know, the moment that you get saved, God equips you as a believer with spiritual gifts, all to provide ministry, to edify Him. So if you're missing either one of those, worship, discipleship, or service, I'd submit to you that you're not living up to that abundant life that Jesus promises. We'd love to have you come join us. Visit our website at fbctipton.org or give us a call. We've got someone standing by. If you need prayer or if you'd like more information, it's 382-6063. We hope to see you Sunday. we got a chair waiting on you. How He loves us, so, oh. oh, how He loves us. How He loves us. For me, love's like a hurricane. I am a tree
1: bending
0: beneath the weight of His wind and mercy. And all of a sudden, I am unaware of these afflictions, eclipsed by glory, and I realize just. How beautiful you are and how great your affections are for me. And oh, how he loves us all. Oh, how he loves us. How he loves us all. Oh, how He loves us Oh, how He loves us Oh, how He loves us And we are His portion He is our pride Drawn to redemption By the grace in His eyes If graces is a notion We're all seeking like an unforeseen kiss and my heart turns violently inside of my chest I don't have time to maintain these regrets when I think about the way that he loves So beautiful. Let's do that once again. He loves us. Oh.
1: bow with me Lord I'm just a speck on this small rock in the middle of this vast universe that you created so beautifully and you have given me everything that I have everything that I quote unquote own is yours and all you ask is for me to give a little small part back Lord, please bless this little small offering that we give today for your glory. And help us to remember that the gifts that you give us are from you. In your son's precious holy name we pray. Amen. This next song was written by Eddie Middleton. Many of you,
0: uh, not Eddie Middleton, the other Eddie, Carswell.
1: (laughs) from New Song and it's just it's been one that um, I heard well I guess last year when New Song was getting ready to come to town I listened to some of the things they did and it's just touched my heart and I think it'll touch yours too it's about getting up every day and just spending a minute with God before the day starts
0: For me to make it through There's no way that I could face it Without you Before the day slips away I want to stop and say I love you I love you, Lord Before the road rushes in again I want to stop Say there's none above you There's none above you I'll just be still And know that you are God Be still and know That you are God something about the morning and the stillness of it all. It calms my heart to hear you when you gently call. Now I know the day is waiting for me to make it through and there's no way that I can make it without you before the day slips away I want to stop and say I love you I love you Lord before the world rushes in again I want to stop and say, there's none above you. There's none above you. Just be still and know that you are God. Be still and know that you are God. Here I am. I long to be along with you in the silence. Bring down your love and your mercy. Whisper softly. you. Sing it with me. Before the day slips away I want to stop and say I love you. I love you, Lord. One more time. Before the day slips away I want to stop and say I love you. I love Lord, before the world rushes in again, I want to stop and say there's none above you. There's none above you, Lord. I'll just be still and know that you are God. Be still and know that you are God.
1: good to see you all here this morning. Before we get started, how many of you just got back from the mission trip to Jamaica? All right, let's give God a hand. Thank you for your ministry there to that uh, that school that needed that so desperately. We're glad you're home safely. Oh, this is not a sermon that I relish preaching, but, uh, How do you do a series on theology and uh, not talk about heaven and hell? How do you talk about heaven and not talk about hell? So I chose to talk about hell today. Please don't say that sermon was hell. Uh, And next Sunday we'll talk about heaven. And then a a couple Sundays we'll conclude a series on theology with about the end times. So what about hell? Um... As I said, this is this is a difficult sermon to preach, but I have I've really enjoyed, I've learned a lot about hell this past week thinking about it. And um, You know, it's just it's I, I tried to wiggle out of it, but I could not. Uh, Luke 16, 19 through 31, is usually referred to as a parable. It's the parable of the rich man and, and Lazarus. But it differs from a parable in the fact that it has Details that no other parable has. It has a person's name in it, Lazarus. Uh, And it has such details about what hell is going to be like that I think we need to take it very seriously. Luke 16, starting with verse 19. There was a rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and who feasted sumptuously every day. And at his gate lay a poor man named Lazarus, full of sores, who desired to be fed with what fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. The poor man died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in Hades, being in torment, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham far off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he called out, Father Abraham, have mercy upon me and send Lazarus to dip the end of his finger in water and cool my tongue. For I am in anguish in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that you in your lifetime received your good things, and Lazarus in like manner evil things, but now he is comforted here, and you are in anguish. And besides all this, between us and you a great chasm has been fixed, in order that those who would pass from here to you may not be able, and none may cross from there to us. And he said, Then I beg you, Father, to send him to my father's house, for I have Five brothers, so that he may warn them lest they also come into this place of torment. But Abraham said, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, no, father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. He said to him, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced if someone will rise from the dead. Let's pray. Father, as we pause today to consider this this important teaching about hell that is contained in the scriptures, help us to understand what you have in store for those who fail to repent and motivate us to do all we can to tell as many as we can the truth about life after death and the choice we have the clear choice between heaven and hell. And Father, help us and all we know to choose Jesus and have forgiveness of sins and life everlasting. For it's in his name that we pray. Amen. So as I mentioned, um, this, this is a difficult subject, but I don't know, you know, Maybe we need to talk about hell more often in the church today. Maybe maybe we wouldn't have as much hell in the world if we had more of it in our pulpits. So we're going to talk about hell this morning, and, and let me tell you something. You might hear me coming across as being angry. I'm not angry. I am afraid. Let me tell you why I'm afraid. I'm afraid because I don't really think I'm preaching to the lost today. I don't, there, there are very few lost people who get saved after hearing a sermon on hell. I am afraid because I am preaching to the church because I think that we are not properly motivated in carrying the gospel to the lost. And I'm afraid because there are people that I love and that you love who will not be in heaven with us one day, Because we did not bother to tell them the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ and what lies in store for those who reject Jesus and who are not saved, who are not penitent, who do not invite Jesus into their heart and have him as their Lord and Savior. So that's what I'm afraid of. I'm afraid of of us not being properly motivated to go out and tell the truth of the gospel to the whole world. Jesus talked about hell a lot. Of the 162 references of hell and final judgment in the New Testament, 162, how many of them do you think came from the lips of Jesus? Over half, 70 out of 162. As a matter of fact, Jesus talked about hell a whole lot more than he talked about heaven. So if I'm going to be faithful to the gospel, and if I'm going to preach the whole counsel of God, there's no way I can admit talking about hell today. And there's some things in your worship bulletin, and we had a little more room in our bulletin so I could give you more of an outline to, to take with you and think about in the future. Three things came, came across my mind early in the week that I want to communicate, and that is, first of all, the reality of hell Secondly, the anguish of hell. And thirdly, the choice of hell. The reality, the anguish, and the choice. And that's what we're going to look at here this morning. First thing is the reality of hell. I heard a story about some sailors who were on an American troop ship going into battle, and they huddled together and got together with their chaplain and called their chaplain over and asked him a question. They said, chaplain, do you believe in hell? And the chaplain said, no, I certainly do not. And the soldiers got together and said, then would you please resign? Because if there is no hell, we don't need you. And if there is hell, we don't want to be led astray. And that's the way it is. A survey was taken a few years ago asking people who believed in heaven and hell, 89% of those surveyed, in America, believe in heaven, 73% believe in a hell. And what's interesting about that is that about 10 years ago, only 50% of people believed in hell. Now it's up to to 73%. And I got to wondering, why is the increase in percentage of people believing in hell? Maybe it's the world that we're living in. We see the reality of hell and the possibility of hell just by the, the way that people are living today in our world, and, and we are faced with the reality that there is a heaven and there is a hell. And one day we're going, to, we're going to face that decision. Of those who were surveyed, who believed in afterlife, 76% believed they were going to heaven. Only 2% believed they were going to hell. The others uh, believed in purgatory or didn't know, weren't sure, or had no response. So it's interesting that, that of those surveyed, almost everybody was sure they were going to heaven. Now, that goes contrary to what Jesus taught, because in Matthew 7, 13 and 14, he said, "...for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction." And those who enter by it are many, for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. You know, when it gets down to it, there are only two possibilities. The first one is that hell is real. And if hell is real, then all humanity is headed there unless we repent and turn to God. The other possibility is that hell is not real. And, and uh, it reminds me of a conversation I got, to, got into with an atheist several years ago in college. So we're talking, I said, do you believe in heaven and hell? And he said, no. I said, well, what happens when you die? He said, nothing. I said, well, what do you mean nothing? He said, well, you live, you're born, you live, you die, you're buried, your body decays, there's no soul, there's no heaven and hell, that's it. And I said... Do you realize what you're risking if you're wrong? Do you realize what you're risking if you're wrong? Jesus clearly believed in hell. As a matter of fact, as I said, he talked a lot more about hell than he did about heaven. But we are reluctant to talk about hell because, frankly, I'm much more comfortable talking about the love and the grace and the mercy of God who who welcomes us all and the relationship that we can have with him. But the reality is that's only one side of the coin. The other side of the coin is that one day there's going to be judgment. And for those who reject Jesus, there will be a real hell. And we're going to talk about that in a minute. Uh, a famous preacher in generations ago named Vance Habner was preaching in a small rural church. And he preached a sermon on hell. And after the sermon, a young man came up to him and criticized him and said, Why are you, why are you doing all this hellfire and brimstone preaching. Why don't you preach about gentle Jesus, meek and mild? And Habner responded, but he's the one who gave me all the information about hell in the first place. So what we say today comes from the mouth of Jesus. And it's coming from this story, the story of the rich man and Lazarus. What can we learn about hell? The reality of hell And I just jotted down a bunch of things that rise up from this this story. The first thing is that I want you to notice the dead are still alive. It says, the rich man lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom, verse 23. So he's alive. He's able to see. And not only that, but he retains, the dead retain their essential character. Lazarus was still Lazarus after he died. The rich man was still the rich man after he died. Basically, who they were was the same after death. They retained their earthly senses. The rich man could still see and hear and feel and recognize and regret. There's only one thing he could not do in hell, and that was get out. I want you to see that death marks the final separation. Number four, death marks the final separation. What I mean by that is that the decision you make on earth builds a line of demarcation. And once you decide to accept Jesus and be saved or reject Jesus and be lost, that cannot be changed after death. I know there's some religions, some denominations that say that You know, you can pray for those who are dead, you can be baptized for those who are dead, you can give money for those who are dead, and they'll go to heaven. That's not what the Bible teaches anywhere. Death is the final separation, and those in heaven will be in heaven, and those in hell will be in hell, and uh, eternal destinies cannot be changed after death. The fifth thing is that the dead cannot communicate with the living. Notice the, the rich man is sending Lazarus to carry a message to his brothers or sending Abraham or sending God or sending somebody to, to carry a word of warning back to his living brothers. And that cannot be done because the dead do not communicate with the living. You know, I, what was it in the newspaper last week? They had that guy that was coming somewhere and he was going to, you could go and pay some money and he'd talk to your dead loved ones. And, and, and they'd tell you what, you know, he'd tell you what they're saying to you. Please don't waste your money on that. It's crazy. The dead don't talk to the living. The sixth place, very clearly, is that hell is a place of suffering and torment. Three times in this story, Jesus mentions torment and agony and suffering, and he describes it in as graphic terms as he possibly can. It is a place of suffering. And the seventh thing, the dead cry out for help that can never come. He's begging for just a a couple of drops of water on Lazarus' finger. He's begging for someone to carry a message to his brothers to warn them. He's begging for any kind of mercy, for any kind of relief, for any kind of assistance, and it will never come because that line of separation has already been made. That's the reality of hell that Jesus portrays. I want you to see, secondly, that hell is a place of anguish. And it says here in several, several verses about the anguish that the rich man felt in hell. I divided it up. There's physical, there's mental, there's emotional, and there's spiritual anguish in hell. First of all, physical anguish. Hell is described as a place of fire and brimstone, of, of heat and suffering, as I mentioned, this rich man, just a few drops of water to, to quench my parched lips is what he begs uh, Abraham to send, or God to send Lazarus to bring him, and, and he will not. In Jesus' day, their concept of hell was a place called Gehenna. And sometimes you'll see the word Gehenna in the New Testament. It, it referred to the valley of Henan, which was a valley southwest of Jerusalem, and basically it was the city dump. It was a place of stench and and constant smoldering and stink. Uh, hundreds of years, centuries earlier, it was a place of child sacrifice. And so Gehenna became to be a place of disgust and repulsion, and it was just the, the worst place that the Jew, remember, who was so conscious of dietary laws and food laws and those kinds of things. It was the worst possible place they could think of on earth. And so Jesus often pointed to Gehenna and said, that's what hell is going to be like. Of course, Gehenna was symbolic because the real hell is much worse. Just like every description we have of heaven is symbolic because the real heaven is going to be much better. But we can't understand it and we can't understand fully the awful anguish, physical anguish of hell. There was a preacher one time who was waxing eloquently on hell where there would be weeping and gnashing of teeth and wailing. And, and an, an elderly gentleman in the back raised his hand and, and the preacher called him. He said, yes, brother. He said, preacher, if there's weeping and gnashing of teeth, what happens if you don't have any teeth? And the preacher, without missing a beat, said, then brother, teeth will be provided because there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth some way. There's physical anguish, and I cannot describe to you the torment, the eternal torment that that will cause. Secondly, there is mental anguish in hell because in hell you will have eternity to be reminded of what you had and lost. And there's nothing you can do about it. You could have had salvation. You could have gone to heaven, but you rejected Jesus. And so you have all eternity to face that mental anguish. Thirdly, there is emotional anguish. There will be continual regret and self-reproach. I knew better. I heard that Jesus was the Son of God, and I had the opportunity to respond, and I did nothing. I didn't know I was going to die so soon, and I rejected Jesus, and it's my fault. There will be no more next times. There will be no more second chances, because when you're in hell, that time of decision has passed. The door has closed shut. The fourth anguish, and I've saved this for last because this is the worst. There will be spiritual anguish. And what I mean by that is that God is absent. Hell is eternal separation from God. And believe me, that is worse than fire that never burns. It is worse than failure. It is worse than regret. It is worse than self-recrimination and reproach. It is the awareness that the God you have rejected on earth will be forever separate from you in eternity. And that will be the worst possible anguish that anyone can suffer. So there is a reality of hell. There is the anguish of hell. Third and finally, I want you to see that hell is a choice that people make. Because I hear people say a lot, if God is love, and it's it's God's desire that everyone be saved and that no one should perish, won't he in his mercy and providence see to it that everybody goes to heaven? There are folks who believe that. It's called universalism. You, everybody's going to heaven, some people believe, but the Bible says what? It says, no, that will not be the case. Everyone in hell will be there by choice. Now, there may be some innocent people sitting in jail today, and DNA evidence will exonerate them one day, but there are no innocent people sitting in hell. And there's nothing that will ever happen. Free them from that and and exonerate them and, and, and give them a shoot to heaven. Because once you die, after that's the judgment. It comes to man, every man wants to die and after that the judgment. And those in hell will be in hell and those in heaven will be in heaven. Think about it. If you're an unrepentant sinner, why would you want to go to heaven? If you're an unrepentant sinner, heaven would be a double hell for you. Let me explain it like this. If you hate Jesus so much in this life that you've rejected him, how much more would you hate him in eternity if you were forced to bow down and worship him forever and ever against your will? Does that make sense? If you hate Jesus and reject Him in this life, why would you want to worship Him forever in the next against your will? So, hell is the place for folks who reject Jesus. You know, I guess when you get right down to it, it doesn't take a decision to go to hell. It takes a decision to go to heaven. How do you go to heaven? Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. How do you go to hell? do nothing, just do nothing. And the scripture says, those who do not decide will have the opportunity to decide if they reject Jesus, will spend eternity in hell. Now, in high school, we used to love to debate this question. What about the pygmies in South Africa who never had the opportunity to hear about Jesus? Is God going to send them to hell too? Have you heard that argument? Have you talked about that? Romans 1, 19 and 20 has a very clear passage about that. What about people who don't have the opportunity to hear? Romans 1, 19. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. Ever since the creation of the world, his invisible nature, namely his eternal power and deity, has been clearly perceived in the things that have been made, so they are without Excuse. In other words, everybody has the opportunity to see the power and deity of God in his created order. And I don't understand, I don't know exactly how it'll all work out, but I know that God will not send anybody to hell unless they reject him. And so some way, somehow God is revealing himself to all peoples on the face of the earth. He has commanded us to go and tell. And that is what I want to emphasize today. Our responsibility to go and tell. So what's the point of this message in conclusion? I just want you to know that what we do here matters. (laughs) What we do here matters for all eternity. Hell is real. Hell is anguish. Hell is a choice. And if the road to hell is paved with good intentions, brothers and sisters, the road to heaven is paved with the blood of Jesus Christ. And you and I have the opportunity to respond to that claim that he has upon our lives. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. So you and I have the opportunity to respond. Do not end up like the rich man In this story of the rich man and Lazarus, you have a glimpse of what hell will be like with its mental and emotional and physical and spiritual anguish. And what I have said doesn't even begin to scratch the surface of the torment that awaits those who reject Jesus for all eternity. Why would you take that risk? Come to Jesus today. And if you have come to Jesus, then run to the cross with all your might and grab as many people as you can and bring them with you. Let's not leave this world with any regrets about who we could have told, who we had the opportunity to share with, but did not. Hell is real. And it awaits those reject Jesus. Shall we pray? Father, we, we in the church have gotten apathetic and lethargic when it comes to telling lost people about Jesus. But if we really believe there is a hell and that everyone who does not accept Jesus as Lord and Savior will spend eternity there, Then we will tell those we love, our neighbors, our family members, our friends. And then you will place a love in our heart for others. And we'll we'll care so much about them that we'll want to spend eternity with them in heaven. And not separated from them if they're in hell. Thank you, Father, that someone cared enough about us to tell us about Jesus. Help us do that for others. Wake us up and motivate us to carry the good news of Jesus Christ to the ends of the earth. For it's in his name that we pray. Amen. We're going to sing a, a hymn of invitation, commitment to decision, call it what you will. But basically, it's a a chance for you to respond publicly if God has put a claim on your heart and you want to acknowledge that. If you have questions about what that might mean or or, or what he's saying to you, we want to help clarify that if we can. If you want to share something public that you've made in the privacy of your home or in your heart this past week, I'm here to receive you and share with you. Let's come as we stand together and sing, sing together. I'll be here at the front.